Everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. Today we are in Revelation 13. Revelation 13 introduces us to the two kind of primary helpers that the dragon utilizes to bring about his destruction, his, his desire to trample the saints, his desire to lead the world astray. And those are the beast and the false prophet, these two monsters which are seen rising up uh, to lead the world astray and to bring persecution against the saints of the Lord. So let's look at them together, beginning with the first beast. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. It was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written it before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive... To captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So we'll start here. Here we see a beast rising out of the sea, which represents this massive persecuting power, the power of a beastly or demonized state, of which the dragon, Satan, we see giving power to it, his throne and the great authority, right? Remember, he is the little G, God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. And so he is at work seeking to lead the world astray, leading others astray to bring persecution, just as we saw back in chapter 12, against the woman. He is at war with the woman and her offspring, a picture of God's faithful people. So he's at war, and now he enrolls these helpers, and the first helper is the beast. And all of a sudden, we see something fascinating with the beast description. The beast combines features from the four beasts of Daniel 7, and, and we see that all, in, in Daniel 7, all of those different beasts reflect a different empire, a different nation, these idolatrous kingdoms. What's fascinating about the beast of Revelation is that it is a combination of all of them, rather than it just being one, all of those beasts are reflected in this specific beast. And so basically, the entire worldly kingdom, the fallen worldly political kingdom, is now seen as being led or, or being the basis by which this beast operates. And so we have the worldly political system here, right? That is being referred to here, not just a single nation. Now, yes, who was the reflection of the beast during the time that this was written? It was clearly Rome, right? 
But Rome was just merely another embodiment of this wicked, beastly system, just as Babylon was, just as, um, you know, Tyre and all of these other, and, and, and Nineveh, now Rome, right? These wicked forces are ultimately just extensions of this beastly system. And right now, Rome is that power. Rome is the beastly power in this specific case. And specifically so much so that Nero, it's his number that, that John will use, that 666, that John will use his number in order to be the basis of how Nero becomes an embodiment of the beastly system and those who seek to follow him, right? Those this this kind of imperial cult, which will be led by the false prophet. So, here we see this this beastly worldly system, and 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 the world worships it, right? They worship the beast because of the power that he demonstrates, right? And we saw that in the Roman state, but we see it throughout the entire advental age. We've seen these empires and these wicked beastly political systems rise up and men fall down to worship it right men give their hearts and lives over think about how almost messianic even american politics have become this beastly system all around that seeks to lure people away through the power through the promises of security and hope and prosperity through all of these vain and false prophets the beast seeks to lead people astray and to be given authority to rule over them. And we see that his the beast's primary opponent, right, the one that he hates is God and his people, right? He has mouth that utters haughty and blasphemous words. He's allowed to exercise authority for a short period, right? But this picture of the interadvental age was the Lord has given uh, to them to do that and he makes war against God he speaks blasphemy against God and he speaks blasphemy against his dwelling and that is those who dwell in heaven now where is our citizenship described as in the New Testament as the people of Christ our citizenship is in heaven one of the key distinctions in Revelation is the difference between the those who dwell on earth and those who dwell in heaven guess what Christian you are a part of those who dwell in heaven so this beastly system, right, the beast, is against you. He's against God and he's against you. Why? Because you bear God's mark. You bear the seal of the Holy Spirit. You bear the truth and the light which can lead the world to Christ. And that's where the beast seeks to make war upon, right? The beast, seeking to do the will of the dragon, seeks to make war on the saints. And we are told that it will literally look and be perceived as that he will conquer them, right? He will be allowed to bring a extreme oppression upon the church. And we've seen that throughout the interadvental age. And we know that as it gets to the end, that this is precisely what will happen. It will look as almost if the church has been completely rooted out by this powerful force of the world in this unified effort to root out the church. It will look as if the church has perceived to lose. But that perceived loss will indeed actually be a victory, just as it was at Calvary. Christ's victory at Calvary becomes the foreshadow of the victory that the church will receive in Christ at the end of the age. That what seemed as a loss in suffering 
was actually a great gain in victory. This war on the saints, right, will come as the beast compels worship. And when the saints refuse to submit, they will be martyred. But despite their apparent defeat, martyrs will enjoy victory with Christ immediately and when their prayers for the final defeat of the beast will be answered, which we will see in chapters 19. Notice everyone who worships and goes after the beast are those whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. The Greek may also be rendered written in the slain, slain Lamb's book of life on the foundation of the world. This book is the heavenly roster of those destined to new life through the purchase of Christ's blood. And in the midst of the persecution and the immense power of the beast, the saints may find security in God's guarantee of their heavenly citizenship. This is a wonderful thing because when it says later about those, you know, don't go after the mark of the beast, this is so beautiful because we are already told right here that if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you won't. If you've been chosen by God, called by the Spirit, saved by the Son, then you will not go after the beast. You cannot accidentally take the mark. I hope that gives you great encouragement today. You can't accidentally take the mark. If you're a Christian, you are protected. You are sealed. The mark of Christ is upon you talk more about the mark of the beast here in a moment. So what is it that they are to do, right? The Christians are to endure. They are to endure faithfully unto the end. In light of the beast that makes war on them throughout the age through these oppressive, wicked systems, and at the end, when it seems as if the tribulation has increased to its utmost, the call to the Christian is to be steadfast, to endure, to persevere. They are to be faithful even unto death. And this is the call for the endurance of faith of the saints. God is in control. Christ will win. This count, this beast who seeks to counterfeit Christ, he will lose. Absolutely guaranteed. The church must see the purpose in all of this. As God will make his judgment against the beast so perfectly true and righteous that even those who find themselves under the judgment will only be able to yes and amen the perfect indictment of the God. Now, we see the second beast. Here, we know him as the false prophet. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven on earth in front of the people, and by the signs that it allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast. For the number of its name, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has an understanding calculate the number of the beast. It is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All right. So... Here we're told that now this new beast rises. And once again, look at the counterfeits. He has two horns like a lamb, 
but he spoke like the dragon. In other words, his words revealed his allegiance because his words led away from the Christ. You, you may ask, what does the, dress, the voice of the dragon sound like? It sounds like any voice that pulls you away from Christ and his commands. Any voice that pulls you away from Christ and his commands, that is the voice of the dragon. In the very beginning, what was the voice of the serpent? Did God really say? To pull you away from Christ, to pull you away from God and his word, that is the voice of the dragon. So though he looks lamb in appear- like the lamb in appearance, he is no doubt a wolf in sheep's clothing as he speaks like the dragon. Here we see this, way, this beast that functions as a false prophet. He is the propagandist for the beast. His actions serve as the counterfeit of the witness of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus points us to Jesus, John 15, 2. And that's what this false prophet now seeks to do for the beast. It seeks to turn the people of the world to the beast. In the first century Asia Minor, the main propagandist would have been priest of the emperor cult, this commune of Asia, a council of distinguished city representatives promoting loyalty to the emperor. And in modern times as well, totalitarians enlist propagandists. Just before the second coming, we are told that counterfeit miracles will accompany the appearance of the man of lawlessness who is being referred to, who is the ultimate epitome of the beast of chapter 13. The false prophet embodies a repeatable pattern of false teachers that lead men away, that lead others away from Christ. One of the fascinating things we see about how the beast seeks to counterfeit Christ is the way in which he says that he had a mortal wound but seems to be healed. I think there are, there are ways in which this ultimately reflects the way that these empires die but seem to be resurrected. Isn't it fascinating that the, the, there's nothing new under the sun? That we may change names and terminology, but the same thing is being repeated over and over again. We see totalitarian regimes. We see... We see oppression and persecution. We see genocide just be repeated under different names, different cycles, different titles. And each of them have their false prophets that promote them. Then they die and it seems, oh, it's all gone. But then it seems to be revived again. And this is the way in which this beast seeks to counterfeit Christ. It seeks to counterfeit the resurrection. Indeed, there was actually a myth at the time when John was writing this that Nero himself would be resurrected and would come back and storm and retake Rome. People waited and looked for it in a a mighty way, this imperial cult. Some believe that Domitian was the almost reincarnation of Nero as he relaunched the persecution against the church that Nero had begun. And so these beastly systems seem to die, but, but they seem to come back up. And that will be the mark of the entire age until the end when the final beast rises, the ultimate con- consummating beast rises, led by a consummating propagandist, a consummating false prophet, who will both be utterly destroyed by the Lord. Notice, though, just as the way the Holy Spirit marks out the people of God, the citizens of heaven, this, this false prophet seeks to mark out the dwellers of the earth with another mark, another Another, and as he seeks to make all those on the earth to worship the image of the beast, 
a, a kind of a, an allusion to Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar building his image to be worshipped. And, and what is it that the faithful saints do? They don't worship. And even when they're thrown into the fiery furnace, what is it? They don't get touched. They are utterly protected. But notice, the Lord did not rapture them from the fire or before the fire. He protected them through the fire. And that's the picture of what Christians endure through the tribulation and through this this dark age. And they will at the very end. We will not be taken from it. We will be protected through it. So that even though they may hurt and harm the flesh, spiritually we are covered and protected by our King, Jesus. And we will not be lost, not in the least. Not a hair of our spiritual heads will be touched. Not a, not a, there won't be a single smell of smoke upon our souls after we pass through the fires of the tribulations of this world because we have been marked out and protected by the Christ. But those who follow the beast, those who follow the propagandist of the false prophet, they will be utterly cast down and destroyed with the beast they worshipped. The mark, we are told, will be the number of the beast, and it is placed on the hand and the forehead, a very symbolic place in Scripture. That is where uh, that, that marks out our mind and our deeds, right? Our, our thoughts and our actions. The, that's what the forehead represents, our thoughts, our hand uh, represents our actions. And that is to say that all of their thoughts and actions are given over to this worship of the beast. And so they worship the beast in thought and action. And the beast number is 666. By the time of the Midian, the earlier Emperor Nero had become a traditional Antichrist figure. He would become the figure of Antichrist, right? He was not just the Antichrist. He was an Antichrist, culminating in what would be the final man of lawlessness. But he becomes the first figure. And that is why the number comes from the numerical value associated with the name Nero Kaiser in Hebrew, 666. And we know that Nero is in mind here because in the earliest uh, translation we have of the Syriac translation of the New Testament, the number is 616. Now, that's not a textual variant. That's just a translation in the language trying to match the meaning of the text. So 616 in the Syriac uh, numerical value is Nero's number. And so that's why we know that Nero um, is the one that's in mind here. But M- Nero is not the final and ultimate beast. Nero is a picture. He is the embodiment of what this beastly nature is. One who rails against God, who persecutes his people, and who seeks through his own wicked and personal gain to have the world go after him and all of his evil, the desire to be a god, uh, the desire to rule the world and to have to live this lascivious, this total lewd and licentious life where there is nothing that can stop them from going after and obtaining their pleasures. And the, and the church speaks against that and they seek to kill it. And that's what these beastly figures all seek to do. The number 666 is also important because the number of six, the number six is the number of man, right? The number seven is the number of perfection, completion, Rest, 
and the number of man is six, meaning that all that man will ever know who takes upon this number is labor. They will never know the rest of Christ. They will never know the peace of Christ. They will never know completeness. They will always know imperfection. The perfect number is 777, 777, right? That would be the perfect number. The number of God, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, but the number 666, this incomplete, imperfect counterfeit, the dragon, the beast, the false prophet, who rather than giving their followers rest, can only give them wrath. Because that was what will come for those who follow them. But those who follow the true Lamb, those who are marked out by the true Spirit, they will know nothing but eternal and everlasting rest, no matter what they face in this life. The dragon has assembled his helpers, and they will be mighty and powerful in their work, but they will be utterly destroyed by the Lamb, and nothing they can do is apart from the sovereign decree and will of God. And no matter what, the saints remain secure. We see that clear in chapter 14. God bless.